And now, the Street Photography Magazine podcast with your host, Bob Patterson. Welcome back to the Street Photography Magazine podcast. I'm Bob Patterson, publisher of Street Photography Magazine. And we have a guest with us today who I've actually met in the past, which is really nice. Although he did have to rem- remind me. So, um, but that was just whatever. It was a long day. Anyway, so anyway, we're going to get into it in a second. But our guest is uh, Joe Jasper, and he is a an event and experience producer. Was I right about that? Uh, in Washington, D.C., so he's close to me, which is uh, what caught my eye. But uh, we'll get that into that in a second. Um, I just, uh, like I was telling Joe, this is my first show I've recorded in over a month. I just got back from a trip to Greece, which was really cool, I have to say. Well, the trip was cool. The weather was hot. It was hot. Joe, you think it's hot in D.C. in the summer? Well, it's not as humid there, but man, that sun never goes away. I think I saw one cloud the whole time the whole time we were gone. But uh it was uh it was a real personal experience and photographic experience for me. Actually caused me to turn a corner or two, I think. I don't know, we may talk about that. We're gonna talk about travel. Joe loves to travel. And um oh yeah, we had a really good time. Uh, Athens, I think turn out to be a wonderful place to do street photography and i'm just i can't wait to go back um also i was uh, you know i've been judging photography contests international contests for several years and the last few years i was a judge in the hanya uh it's called the sip festival hanya international photography festival and it's held on the island of crete in the town of hanya begins with a ch by the way and um, I've always wondered what this place is. Well, I, I, I had an opportunity to go there, but I was a, it was a week after the festival. The festival was held while I was in Athens, and it's uh, actually sponsored by the Backwall Gallery located in Athens. I wanted to go see them while I was there. Well, they were all at the festival. And then I hoped to meet with uh, one of the directors of the festival in Hanya, her mother, who lived in Athens uh, was injured and she had to go back. So we didn't get to meet up, but it was really cool to be in this town where the festival was held. And uh, so anyway, I'm rambling on and on, but uh, it's good to be back. I've got a ton of shows uh, lined up to record. This is the first one. And so let's, we're going to talk about Joe uh, once he's done doing his, uh, doing, <laughs> doing his sign language. <laughs> no. yeah, I'm just kidding. Anyway, um, yeah, Joe and I met uh, almost two years ago. Uh, I was a judge in a, a contest in Fredericksburg, Virginia. They do a really cool shootout every year. And I'll be back again this year uh, in September. And, and what they do is they bring everybody together and they send you out for two or three hours to shoot on the streets. And then everyone brings their photos back, picks their favorite, and three of us judges um choose our favorites uh, which is an interesting experience in itself because we're actually talking to each other uh sometimes we don't afterwards no i'm just kidding and uh, choose the winner and they win lots of wonderful cash and prizes it's a really 
good time. And I'm glad to be coming back again this year. So, uh, but anyway, after that contest, I hung around, actually spent the night in Fredericksburg and Joe and I, and a couple other guys went around doing night photography in town. And, uh, and matter of fact, when you see this episode, the graphic for this episode, I took that photo of him. It was a candid shot and I'm putting that on the graphic because I've always liked that photo. I hope you do too. So anyway, Joe, welcome. After all that, thanks for being with us. Yeah, thanks for having me, Bob. Sorry about that. I was uh, I was signing at my girlfriend because I wanted her to uh, grab this, which Ooh. is actually not from the year that uh, that you were um, judging this from last year. Um, my my Fredericksburg trophy. Just wanted to show that off. Oh, I thought they actually gave you a Leica. Uh, yeah, I wish. Um, <laughs> Yeah, uh, not quite. But um, yeah, thank you for having me on. Really a uh, big fan of the podcast. Um, I I actually, this was my, on Spotify, this was my number one podcast for the year last year. So um, really, I have I have the stats to back it up. But uh, yeah, a uh, big fan of the podcast. Um, I'm thrilled. Really We're going to start raising on. our prices yeah. for the podcast, <laughs> which is free. So <laughs> yeah. oh, I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled to hear that. Yeah. You know, I've been getting a lot of compliments lately. So and, and not too many people complaining. So yeah, that's... Uh, I, I, to be honest, I have, I have ADHD. I have a very hard time with podcasts, but um, yours is yours and the BNH photography podcast. Those are the only two photography podcasts that I have ever really gotten into. But um, yeah, I, I, I love the BNH yeah. podcast. Very good. Yeah, it is. But this is also a very good podcast. Um, and I mean, some of the, some of the people you have on here, um, I, we were, we were talking earlier. Um, you know, to have someone on your podcast telling a story about uh, trying to to meet Henri Cartier-Bresson, um, <laughs> and to me, that just that's um, an incredible story. So, um, you know, love, love the the insight and uh, um, yeah, just the the people you get on here just they have incredible stories. So, honored yeah. to be among them. And that's yeah, you're you're talking about Mike Ruggiero, who lives in my area as well. And uh, yeah, he moved down here from New York, came through town to, he was introduced to me by Harvey Stein um, up in New York. And uh, he's, you know, he wanted to move south and came through here and I showed him around. He wound up, wound up moving here. There you go. You got you a uh, side career as a real estate agent, didn't you? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I should with the prices around here. <laughs> but, yeah, get, uh, get that commission. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it's nice. It's nice having Mike here. He's just a fabulous photographer. I mean, he's just got so much experience. And, and so we go out and shoot together. And then I compare my work to his and get depressed. And, <laughs> no, don't compare yourself to others. Yeah. So anyway, I guess before we get too deep into this, why don't you tell us, a, tell us about yourself, a little bit about your background, your photography journey. Sure. How you got um, here? Yeah, so um, I started photography eleventh uh, grade in a photography class, my art elective, junior year of high school. Um, I definitely was not a prodigy or anything. I was an incredibly average student in that class, um, and I didn't exactly have like an instant passion for it, or you know, like a oh wow, like this is it um, mm -hmm. moment, but. Uh, I took the class and uh, stuck with it into my 
uh, senior year of high school. And that was 2014-2015, which um, was right around the time that uh, I would say Instagram kind of peaked for photography users. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there was uh, a lot of just really great stuff on there. Uh, stuff that, you know, nowadays, I think we kind of look back and like, oh, like that's so 2015, you know, um, the like super saturated faded blacks. Um, I was really into uh, urban exploration and um, they called themselves street photographers back then that I don't know that uh, I would necessarily call them that today. But, um, you know, they were, you know, they're mostly doing like portrait work or um, product photography, those sorts of things. But um, really just from following, uh, you know, some of those people on Instagram, I'm trying to think of some names. I know uh, Insighting, Evan Ramft, um, can't uh steve sweatpants those sorts of guys uh, on instagram um just got me really into it i grew up in the in the suburbs not in the city um and uh so i i wasn't really like doing that kind of photography but um you know after just just following those guys and, and being interested in their work i started taking photos more and more i didn't own a camera at the time i was uh using iphone like two or something iphone three <laughs> um uh <laughs> And I guess somewhere around that time, I decided that photography was like my my passion and my life's work. Uh, I don't know why, because I really wasn't very good at it at that point in time. Um, but uh, anyways, I went to went to university um, and was you know checking cameras out of out of the school library, and um, I uh, I borrowed money from my friends to do an iPhone photography course online, and um, just kept with it and. Uh, honestly, it was, yeah, it, it, I wasn't, I wasn't necessarily creating anything worthwhile at that point in time, but, um, 2017, I was a junior at, at university and, um, was going on my fall semester that year was going to be a study abroad in Rome. Um, and I was leaving early in the summer to, uh, travel around Europe before that. And, uh, bought a full frame full frame dslr bought a 28 millimeter prime lens and um almost overnight the second i landed in in uh in france that summer um just from the get-go uh the photos just kind of clicked and everything came together and um you know overnight it was like a transformation of my photography um maybe that's just you know it's hard to take a bad photo in france but um yeah just started you can I've got a bunch. <laughs> I'm sure I do too. Um, but yeah, I, uh, uh, everything just started clicking. And um, yeah, I think because I was a tourist, I kind of just um, was able to get out of my head in terms of taking pictures of people and you know doing kind of real street photography. And um, yeah, just, just never really stopped the whole time I was there. I carried my camera everywhere I went. And um took a lot of photos, traveled to a lot of places. And uh, I think that period in time um, was when I kind of really felt like uh, street photography was it for me. That was that was what I wanted to be doing. So um, ever since I've been, uh, been taking pictures uh, as much as I can, I moved back to the DC area after graduated university in 2019. Um, had about one year of, of peace and then pandemic hit. And uh, <laughs> honestly, the honestly the pandemic was was huge for me in terms of photography. I think that was 
um, kind of what drove me to step it up and and take it more seriously. Um, I was laid off pretty early on in the pandemic, um, but was you know I was able to get unemployment at the time, um, and then uh, eventually I got brought was getting some remote work and um, a little basically I had more free time. Um, and you know, I was living with my parents at the time. I didn't really have any expenses, uh, so I could more than live on unemployment. And I was um, really just had all this free time, and I was like, "Well, I have nothing else to do. I might as well probably never gonna have this opportunity again to spend this much time on it." So just yeah. uh, started photographing as much as I could, and um, yeah, pandemic's over now. But uh, here I am, still taking pictures as much as I can. So uh, moved into uh, into DC. Uh, well, I lived in Baltimore for a year, um, uh, 2021, um, and then moved uh, moved back, moved into DC in January. So, um, been around the DMV for a while, and um, loving living in the city, loving being kind of in the middle of everything. Uh, really, is pretty life changing for a street photographer, I think, to to move into a city. So, yeah, it helps. It definitely yeah. not definitely when you're coming from the burbs too. It gets old. What, what what part of DC are you in? Let me guess. Li- Let me guess. Go Adams Morgan. Close. Oh. Uh, <laughs> that was a good guess. I live 14th and uh, U Street. Oh, really? Yep. So I'm even more in the middle. Yeah. Um, right, right in the middle of everything. Yeah. It's great. Uh, 14th Street is is probably my favorite place to photograph in the city. Um, it just never really dies down. So I can yeah. just walk out my door. I if I. I if I'm in a time crunch, I can walk, you know, 10 minutes down 14th, yeah. 10 minutes back and uh, I can get, get some good stuff in, in just 20 minutes. So um, it really, once, once you're doing that, it kind of, you know, constantly taking pictures, not just going out, you know, once or twice a week, but, but every single time you leave your apartment, having, having photos or having your camera with you to take photos, um, yeah. it, ch- it changes your mindset. Uh, it makes it, less of you know a hobby or a craft that you put time towards and more of a lifestyle Mm -hmm. you know it's kind of always in my head i'd like to take a quick break to thank the street photography magazine subscribers for your support we couldn't do this without you you may have noticed that we don't sell advertising or sponsorships in the podcast or inside street photography magazine itself And that's because we want to be completely objective about the work we publish and the services and gear that we cover. Our only constituent is you, our listeners and readers. So if you like what we're doing, you can support the show by subscribing to Street Photography Magazine. It's only $5 per month, and you can do it by visiting streetphotographymagazine.com slash subscribe. And now back to the show. So... You talked about going to France the first time and something just clicked. So do you, do you, I'm asking this for a reason because uh, when I go to a new place and I go out to shoot, and that's usually the first thing I do, especially if I'm going overseas because my wife wants to take a nap <laughs> and I want to stay up as long as I can so I don't have, terrible jet lag like i still do no anyway so i go out and it's like i just can't get into a zone maybe it's because i hadn't slept all night or because it's just so new everything's so new i can't focus on shooting 
But then you just you basically said the opposite. You go to a brand new place, and you're and you're into it. Does that still happen to you, even though you've made multiple trips to other places? Uh, it definitely does. I would say honestly, the hardest place I've ever had to shoot, well, like from traveling, New York City. Me too. Cannot. Yes. Cannot. Cannot make it click in New York City. Uh, I think. Maybe a, just getting a little bit into my head and feeling like, oh, I'm in New York City, so I have to take you know, as many <laughs> bangers as I possibly can. Uh, and then, you know, uh, you're thinking about it too much and, and not being organically like in the moment. I, think, um, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I would say when I travel internationally, um, I, don't, I, don't, I don't get to, to do it. I mean, more often, I would say than most people, I think relatively, but not as often as I'd like. Uh, I, I savor those opportunities. So when I travel abroad, um, I always do a lot of research into mm-hmm. um, the photography of wherever I'm going. So um, a lot of YouTube videos, uh, a lot of searching on Instagram, um, looking, trying to find local street photographers, um, kind of looking at the kind of things they photograph um, just so that I have kind of an idea of what uh what things are going to be there for that, that might catch my eye um so for example uh went to portugal this year in april mm-hmm. and um you know one of my favorite youtubers faisal westcott great youtuber um and great photographer uh he had gone to portugal at some point in the last couple of years and, and had made a, a bunch of videos about it um, had taken a lot of photos and, um, so, you know, I, I just watched through all of his, his work and, um, kind of just pieced together in my mind. Um, you know, I, I would notice the kind of things that he would have in his photos or in his videos that, that I would, I would find interesting from a photographic perspective and just, um, kind of make mental notes of this. Um, and another thing that I do to kind of make sure that I'm not getting a little aimless when I, when I travel, uh, in terms of taking photos is I, I kind of, I choose three things, um, and I kind of focus on them. So, mm, like uh, what? so for example, oh, I'm going to have to pull up my, uh, um, <laughs> I'd have to pull up my blog post from France cause I'm not going to remember it off the top of my head, but, um, yeah, that's okay. Give me one second. So, um, Okay, so for France, uh, I went to, um, uh, I spent a few days in Paris, and then we drove down to Bordeaux, this was last year, um, and granted, I've I've been to Paris a lot, many times in the past, so I, I kind of already know what I'm expecting, um, but so the three things that I chose um, was architecture, fashion, and romance. Hmm. Um, and the reason I chose those things is because uh, I find them quintessentially French. Yeah. Um, and, but at the same time, I find them to be interesting photographic, like elements. Uh, they can make a scene, and um, you know, I'm not just photographing, you know, pictures of architecture, pictures of fashion. Yeah. I'm trying to get some sort of balance of all three in combination with a a good moment. Um, a you know, a photo that, that has a story and has, you know, um, I like that. Kind of some sort of evocative nature to it, um, that uses those three elements. So I, I do that to kind of limit myself and find 
um, you know, tell the story that I want to tell from each place. I was, um, I was drawn to your, um, your project on your website uh, in Portugal, um, because I was there last year, just about this time last year in September. And so I thought, oh, good. What, what did he do there? And, um, cause you said, you said, uh, a very important word. I want to be aimless. When we first got to Lisbon, I just went out, my wife took a nap. <laughs> I went out and I just started wandering around with my camera and it was as aimless as you could get. I didn't see anything. Uh, I wound up on some back street that I probably shouldn't have been on. <laughs> and, you know, I just, I, I just really, I didn't make many photographs that I consider keepers during a whole big part of that trip. And then I looked at your stuff, especially up in Porto. We went to Porto after we went to Lisbon and I go, wow, you this was great. <laughs> I'm jealous. And, uh, you, you, you know, you really have a, a, you know, a rich selection of photos in that gallery. And I, and, you know, we're going to have, have Joe's, uh, website in, in the show notes make sure you go there and look at us look at his portugal gallery and don't don't go don't go editing it now after i brought that up to <laughs> yeah thousands, take thousands all the of people yeah <laughs> um yeah thank you uh yeah i i definitely think the portugal trip was um one that i was definitely really really pleased with the photos i took and yeah. especially because that that trip was not meant to be about photography actually most of my trips are not meant to be about photography um Good. a lot of times uh i to my my family lives in in england um pretty much every every family member outside of my nuclear family um my oh. parents moved moved here a year before i was born um so which is great it's given me a lot of opportunities to um get to travel more often than i i might have otherwise um but yeah a lot of times when when i'm traveling into Europe, uh, I'm usually visiting family and then kind of going somewhere else as an add-on. Um, and uh, so that was Portugal. We we went to a wedding in in England, hmm. um, and then you know we we have we had to go somewhere else before we went back to oh, work. Definitely. So we uh, so we we you know we had I think we had like five days. Um, and so the goal for that trip that that was really supposed to be about like relaxation. My girlfriend and I um, exploring a new place and um, kind of just getting away from from work and all of that all, all responsibility. Um, yeah, I I can't turn off the photographic aspect. I just don't have you know I don't have, I don't go often enough that I I feel like I can. Um, but uh, you know that trip wasn't that wasn't the goal of the trip. So the fact I took a lot of photos away from that that I was really happy with. I think I was in a good flow before I went there. Um, and uh, yeah, I think I, I honestly, I think preparation makes um, can definitely make a big difference, but I find, yeah. I find being aimless is actually great when you're photographing at home. I think it's a great way of, of getting good photos when you're walking around your own neighborhood or city. Um, I think being aimless is, is good because, you know, everything's so familiar to you. It's, sometimes it's hard to tell like a specific story and sometimes you got to just um find the new things and the and the little things and and you can do it every day you know if, if you go out and you know in charlottesville if i went out in dc uh and i didn't get any good picture i didn't see anything that 
you know, I liked. That's fine because I could do it again tomorrow. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think uh, I think it's important to, um, and you don't have to like limit yourself. I mean, you can once you get to wherever you're going, you take whatever photos will catch your eye. Um, but I think uh, it's definitely something I found really helpful to just um, make sure that you are staying accurate, um, making sure that you're not. It's hard to it's hard to balance because you know you're going to a new place, new culture, new you know history, new architecture compared to your where you live. On, you know, for me, for DC, for example, like DC and Porto couldn't be more different places. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so I'm so used to photographing in DC where I have like specific things that I keep in mind to look out for, or, um, you know, you, you kind of, uh, have your regular everyday kind of triggers that catch your eye. I think it's really difficult to try and balance that mentality with the mentality of, Oh, I'm, I'm traveling. I'm in a new place. You know, um, I want to tell the story of where I am. You know, I want to, uh, capture, you know, the history. I think, I think it's really hard to, uh, Actually, let's talk about him too much, but um, Faisal Oscar also mentioned this in a video. Um, now I just lost my train of thought. Uh, oh, touristy photos. Like, at what point? Like, is that okay? Can we do touristy photos as street photographers? Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I, well, I think I, I know I definitely struggle with it. Uh, less so now because I've, I've given up caring, but I think <laughs> it's hard to like, you know, we think of ourselves as being like separate different from tourists so we want to take different kind of photos that tell a more intricate story but um i think you know it those usually touristy photos are like landmarks those are things that are important to capture because they're important they're landmarks for a reason you know yeah um, like you were talking about uh, uh about the context well I, I was watching one of your youtube videos i'm sorry and there was a photo you took somewhere where was it? It was, oh, was it the Lincoln Memorial, which is what I want to talk about. Mm -hmm. And so you had the, the um, reflecting pond and the Washington right. Monument in the background, which you said, you know, added context to the photo, which mm -hmm. certainly did. But, um, which, well, let me mention one more thing first. You know, I get caught up in that too. You know, do I want to photograph all the landmarks? Well, there's so many damn good photos of these landmarks. I you know I can buy well a postcard you know a postcard saying where I can buy one or look <laughs> at them online and I'm probably not going to be there at the time and be able to take the time that they took to make those great photos so screw it I take pictures of the people right pictures of the people taking pictures of the landmark or you know doing their selfies or you know whatever they do so yeah. that's what I tend to focus on when I'm in touristy places which is pretty often anymore yeah yeah I I think as street photographers, we want to tell a story like that's yeah. that's our nat natural inclination. Um, and I think that it can be hard when you're traveling, if you're not, if you, you know, if you don't really prepare, if you, I mean, even if you do, sometimes you just get there and you're, you know, you don't have the story already in your mind. So you're, you, you have to come up with it on the spot. That's a lot of yeah. pressure. And, um, yeah, I think, I think it's good to, uh, when you're traveling just um kind of plan that out in advance you know um as you would if you were you know doing a story like a journalist photojournalist journalism mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah russell edit that out uh <laughs> if you were doing like a, a, a photo 
journalism project you would and you were traveling somewhere you would you would still plan out and have kind of a draft and a shot list before you went and i think um even though street photography is meant to be kind of freeform and candid i i think it's good to the more the more you prepare the quicker your eye and your brain will work when you're in the moment makes sense yeah i was glad to see you like to hang out at the lincoln memorial that's <laughs> if i would anytime i'd go up there for a day i'd i could hang out there for hours it it doesn't get any more touristy than that, except for maybe Definitely. Niagara Falls or something. And so I just like hanging out on the steps and shooting the people and the reaction. I like the reaction to the statue when they walk in. Um, and uh, yeah, I like I really like that one you did that's on your YouTube video. And yeah. uh, um, so I was glad to see you like hanging out there too. The course you can go down there anytime yeah yeah it was um so when that project started uh it started out of convenience um i was living uh, before i moved into the city in january i was living in uh falls church which is about yeah 15 20 minutes outside of dc um in virginia and uh you know i would finish work at 5 p.m and would have you know an hour hour and a half of good light left you yeah. can't do you can't do that much with you know dc traffic of trying no. to get somewhere to take photos uh or the metro schedule you know it's, it's not easy to get anywhere quickly around here so um you only have that much time so i really only have two options in dc of where i could get to um and get shooting by that that time and that's the lincoln memorial at georgetown those are the, t the two easy to get to spots from virginia um georgetown the light goes quicker uh, yeah. it, it's just the positioning of, of the neighborhood. Um, you tend to lose the light earlier. Um, so the Lincoln Memorial, that was really just, you know, I was like, well, I know there's people, I know I'll have light longest. I know I can find parking. And, uh, I was, I was really struggling with photography at the time when I started shooting that project. Um, just, I had just moved from Baltimore. Uh, I just switched jobs around the, the same time. Um, I had been working as a videographer um, full time, and I just wish come back to event production. Um, my girlfriend had just left to do; she did a uh, six months for her master's degree working in um, Zambia. So, um, oh. so we had been living together. She just left, so I was on my own. It was actually the first time I did have roommates, to be fair, but uh, first time really I kind of lived on my own and um, was just really struggling with you know, finding time to, uh, actually put energy and towards photography. And so I would take those hour, hour and a half at the end of each workday. And, uh, I would, I would basically just try and make, uh, as little resistance as possible to the process of, of street photography. Um, Lincoln Memorial is perfect. You know, the composition that as a background, mm -hmm. um, there's a lot you can do with it because it's huge and pretty much every every angle on the lincoln memorial works as a, a first street photography um any given day there's there's hundreds if not thousands of tourists there um all using cameras all pointing cameras at each other so nobody cares about that so right uh it just it made a lot of sense um and i will say like as a uh washingtonian uh <laughs> you know that I think for a lot of us that live in the area, in the city, it's not a very appealing 
place to do street photography because most of the people there are tourists who um, don't really care about DC as a city. Uh, don't really probably care that much about you know the history so much as just seeing the the monumental size of these mm-hmm. of these these buildings. Um, and uh, it's it's not the most like authentically Washington DC atmosphere. Um, but for this point in time, you know, I was really, I was focused about practice. Like, uh, have you ever watched Ted Lasso? Oh yeah. 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 I just, I just finished season two. I'm talking about practice. Uh, (laughs) that's, that's always what I think. Yeah. Um, it was really just about getting out, taking photos as often as possible. Um, and you know, if you do that long enough, you'll, you'll, things will start clicking again. It'll, it'll make sense again and you'll be able to get back in the groove. Um, so yeah, I would just, I would go, uh, it's been like probably an, an hour, hour and a half making my way from the, from the basin of the reflecting pool up to the backside of the Lincoln. I'm doing everything in between. And, uh, it was perfect because once you get to the, the, the backside of the Lincoln Memorial, it faces West over the river, nothing blocking the sun. So it's, yep. it's like you're on a stage, just having a spotlight put yeah. right on you. Lighting yeah. is perfect. I Late could in the not day. be better. Yep. Yeah, it could not be better lighting. Um, and that is probably the one place you find actual DC natives will will go and and sit um, on the backside to watch the sunset. It's like the only place at the Lincoln you'll find them. Um, so just you know, over the course of an hour, just working my way up the steps into the chamber, around the perimeter, and then to the backside. Um, and yeah, I, I, it's great. I mean, compositionally. Uh, in terms of characters, in terms of lighting, it's just probably the best conditions you can you can find for street photography. You just said you just said something that reminded me I needed to mention this. You said back into the groove. Mm-hmm. Well, you wrote an article for Street Photography Magazine with that title, mm-hmm. and uh, matter of fact, I was just talking to Ashley about it yesterday. She's got all the stuff, so. <laughs> right now and it's it's not in our shared folder because he's working on it but anyway yeah so joe uh matter of fact that that's how he popped up on my radar again because he wrote wrote the story that's going to appear in the magazine and it's uh, scheduled for the december issue and i don't know if she told you the date yet or not but uh yeah it's scheduled for the december issue so we're you know this is going to be seven weeks or so before before that drops but i want to just want to tell you to to look out for it he's got a lot of good photos in there so um yeah december december 2023 make sure we talk about the right year (laughs) but no i was glad to hear about your your process that you follow in shooting uh shooting that and i never thought about the back steps because usually i seem to be there in the late afternoon so Definitely going to have to do that. I want to ask you about something else, though. I, I happen to notice, I think it was on your website, at least when you wrote this, you were shooting with the one of the Fuji, the uh, uh, one of the, the H. Mm-hmm. I shoot with Fuji too, but I never I never used any of the the H's. But you you shoot with adapted lenses. Yeah. Um, yeah, and yeah. so you're so you basically basically doing manual focus then. Mm-hmm. Um, but what, what kind of lenses do you tend to gravitate to? 
And by the way, what I mean by adaptive lenses, you've got a, you know, you have a digital camera, you, you can buy an adapter so you can shoot other manufacturers lenses on your camera. I tried this once with my, my X pro two and with a, with a Leica lens and I didn't like it, but, uh, maybe what there's, didn't, huh? what did, what didn't you like? I, I had a hard time getting uh, getting good focus now i don't i, I bought a real cheap m adapter mm -hmm. so maybe that was it um i know it's a good lens it was a were, sumacron it was a 35 sumacron were you zone focusing or were you using the evf and like focus speaking um I, both but generally I, i'd use zone focus because i like mm -hmm. i like the like lens the way you can it has the little tab on it and you mm -hmm. don't really have to uh you know, once you get the feel for it, you don't even have to look at the thing to focus. But, uh, and I was, I was pretty good with it on my mm. M body at the time. Um, but what, just what, didn't. What was the focal length? 35, which makes it a 50 on, on, mm. on the, uh, X pro two, which doesn't help. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so um, what, are, what are you using? And, and your photos are great. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Uh, we're get, getting into the gear conversation. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, this is this is like one of those little niches or niches that oh, a lot I, of people don't do, and I and I, I think it's something well worth exploring. Yeah, you, uh, you feel free to get get me talking on gear as, as much as you want. Uh, I have I have a YouTube channel if you didn't know. So I know you, you do, you already, and I want to talk about that too. You, yeah. you already know that I'm a I'm a gear. A that's gear guy. A, um, everybody is, no matter what they say. Yeah, that's true. I, I, I think it, it tends to get a, a little bit of just to throw this the spiel in real quick. It it tends to get a little bit of uh, contention. I think people sometimes get frustrated with the focus on gear versus instead of the focus on photography on my or not mm -hmm. on my sorry on YouTube in general, not on my channel. <laughs> YouTube. No, nobody watches all my about channel. the There's gear. No complaints yeah. about it. But, uh, I don't know if you've watched my channel to complain, but um. But I think it, it tends to you tend to get frustration with that. My my response to that would be I understand it. Not I think it's harder to explore photography and photos on on YouTube, and I think that's something that more people should try to do. But uh, I'm just I just love camera gear. I just love cameras. I think they're the most interesting um, thing device in the world. Uh, I still don't really know how they work, to be honest with you. <laughs> um, uh, it Great still mystery. blows my mind. Uh, I understand the science behind it, and yet in my brain, it's still a miraculous process. But, um, but yes, I I do use uh, manual focus lenses. I use over the years, I've used a lot of a lot of cameras. Uh, since like probably 2020, I've I've owned or used a dozen different types of cameras. Um, to currently. I use uh, my go-to is this. Gonna blur. You get but, um, yeah okay. Back on a DSLR. Um, really, this is a Nikon D six hundred. Terrible camera. Um, <laughs> <laughs> don't buy this. But uh, I already own. This is the when I said I bought a full frame camera for uh -huh. to, to Rome. This was this was that camera. Um, and right now I'm for Voigtlander forty millimeter f two Ultron. Um, is pretty much the only expensive piece of kit I own. When I moved into the city, uh, I kind of took a lot of my money that was invested into camera gear and, and liquidized it to pay rent. 
um dc rent prices will do that to you but uh yeah so uh manual focus lens um incredibly sharp i like 40 millimeters uh before the pandemic i was a 28 millimeter guy but um you know add six feet to that and, and you get 40 millimeters so uh so 40 is my go-to that's my go-to kit right there um hmm. and then actually i like going a little longer as well so um i will use a 75 to 150 or uh 100 millimeter prime as well wow. um I do Fuji- oh i'm sorry is that an m lens uh, so this is nikon f mount um so this one's not adapted it's it's native oh, to nikon. oh okay yeah a lot of people don't know voigtlander make nikon lenses and um i like it because i think people talk about the leica look i think the leica look isn't necessarily exclusive to leica i think in general it's kind of referring to sort of a 3d pop that you get uh and i think it's mostly comes from the like a glass glass um but voigtlander glass i've always thought gave a pretty similar effect and um you know i see it on this on this lens even though it's an icon f mount it's not an m mount that doesn't really matter it's more about the design of the glass and um yeah you get just a beautiful beautiful pop beautiful rendition out of the out of this lens um yeah i had an ultron too i i liked it a lot yeah matter um, of fact that's the one i put on my that's the one i put on my uh oh yeah x pro but right um so uh actually I, the reason i i was asking which lens you're using um is because i think uh the crop in makes it so that if on a regular if on a full frame body if you were using that um end zone focusing mm-hmm. something on that perimeter might if you were you know not 100 percent accurate something on that perimeter might show up that might be more in focus um and i think losing that it's a, mm-hmm. it's just a guess but I, I i would guess that by cropping in you're not helping uh the odds of whatever's in frame being in focus um yeah that makes sense I, yeah and I, I also think i don't know the science behind it to know if there's a difference between um like what whether the zone focus is accurate on an adaptive body versus on a native mm-hmm. body um, but i assume that there's some sort of difference in there yeah because um, the adapter adds a little bit of distance right from yeah. the uh from the sensor right um but uh going hey. back to to your question um yeah. so yeah I've, I've used pretty much almost every fuji film um body from the, the x trans <laughs> three and four generations um but currently I do have an X-H1, um, which I, I was using an X-Pro2 before that. Loved that camera. That's without a doubt my favorite Fujifilm camera. But um, I was getting a carpal tunnel or something. I was just shooting with it so often and uh, there's no grip on it. And I found it super uncomfortable over time. Mm-hmm. And my, my hand just was hurting. Um, I wanted to, to just get something with grip. Um, and the X-H1 is, is great for that. Um, but yeah, for uh, for a long time, I was uh, Fuji X mount with M mount adapted lenses. Um, so my favorite that I used was a twenty Voigtlander twenty one millimeter f four mm. um, color scope R. That one was uh, you know because twenty one it gets to thirty, so it's around twenty eight. Um, yeah, and I I liked I liked that lens a lot adapted. Uh, I had a 75 millimeter Voigtlander as well, which was awesome. And I, I sold it cause it was pretty expensive. Um, but I regret that because I, I, I wish I had kept that lens. That lens was great. Um, 
And then I have a, I still have it. Um, trying to sell it if anyone wants to buy it that's listening uh tt artisans <laughs> 28 millimeter f 5.6 it's like the clone of the like uh-huh. a on the tt artisans version i actually love that lens um uh adapted it's it's um i mean it's tiny even even adapted i think it's like with the adapter less than an inch in length uh which is crazy um so have you used all of those lenses uh you know i just Spent a lot of time learning uh, how to zone focus and um, just kind of memorizing distances mm-hmm. um, if, in front of me. And uh, I don't know why I I started doing that, but um, it's just a lot more fun for me. I think uh, you know people talk a lot about, uh, especially when I'm talking about Leicas, they talk about like being involved with the photographic process. Uh, mm-hmm. I think a lot of that is kind of dramatic uh and exaggeration um but mm-hmm. i do think manually focusing versus auto focusing is one thing that really does actually hone at least personally speaking hone me into mm-hmm. into the photographic process because cool. um i mean that's you know it's pretty much the bare minimum but it's it's a uh, i think it adds a little bit of an extra challenge and that adds a little bit of extra gratification when you get it right um yeah. so i've just i've ditched all of my I don't have any autofocus glass. I, I have what eighteen to fifty-five for for the Fuji that I really only use for um, when I'm doing like a professional job with that um, or video. But well, the, the manual focus slows you down. It yeah. it doesn't have to. I yeah. I, I actually well, think it's faster, honestly, because with autofocus, I I always am like, you know, kind of I, I'm a Nikon DSLR user by from my history, so I have I have a Mm-hmm. bit of a bit of a trust issue when it comes to autofocus so um i i just always find like you know myself making sure that whatever i'm trying to get is is in focus when i'm autofocusing and like maybe the camera misses i think manually focusing for me is faster because you know n- once you memorize those distances you kind of just you pick the subject out you pick the distance you know you want them at and then you wait until they're there um and it's practically instant if if you can do it right so um, but I do think that, you know, if you're fine tuning, like really like looking through the viewfinder and, um, it does slow you down. Um, but yeah, the, um, yeah. Yeah. I find trying to do autofocus with the, with the Fuji lenses, cause it's all focused by wire. Well, not all of them, uh, the 14 isn't, but, um, it, it, uh, for me, it doesn't work well cause you can bump it and it, goes out of focus but like with the the uh, um with the the Leica lenses or the Voigtlanders they're mechanical lenses and it's like it's one to one when you're moving it you know I remember the original Fuji X100 with the manual focus you'd have to like turn it like three times to for it to focus like yeah. an inch closer it was awful you know, it was like not even worth doing. But if you're going to manual focus, you're better off doing it with a with a manual lens. Yeah, and uh, mechanical the, lens or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, and uh, the the nice thing I think I don't have any science to back this up, but to me, you know, looking at these manual focus lenses, and a lot of them are older, um, they just feel like they're a better design, and um, uh, to me, it's just kind of seems like a better image sometimes i think like the newer lenses um are just a little too clinical a little too 
perfect. Um, yep. And that's just not something uh, I'm really interested in visually. Um, perfect doesn't doesn't matter to me. I, don't... I you know I agree. I agree. It doesn't have to be in perfect focus or yeah, perfect exposure. You know, as long as you get the shot, that's more important. Definitely. Hey, you said something different topic. You said you got into urban exploring, urbex. <laughs> yeah. So uh, anybody who doesn't know what that is, it's where you go into abandoned buildings and make interesting photographs. And we had an urban explorer on earlier in the year, Ohio Red. Uh, catch that episode. Um, and uh, he did all kinds of things. Climbed down in an old subway in Cincinnati, Ohio, on a on a rope ladder with his daughter. I think. But did do you ever do that? To go into, especially in Baltimore or wherever, to, to go into old not. closed up buildings. No, I uh, I was really into looking at other people doing that. <laughs> okay, um, that's I, the safe way to do it. Yeah, I to be honest, when I was younger, I I did try it a little bit more. Um personally it it, it wouldn't really interest me to photograph it, to be honest. Um no and, people. Yeah, exactly. And uh I don't know I don't know, it's a, it's never been something that really it was it was kind of a thrill thing, I think, um back in the day. Um I did have uh I did do it when I was younger, um, but again, I I grew up in an area which has pretty much been being built since I was born. Mm -hmm. uh, there's there was there's not that many abandoned things because most things are demolished and rebuilt pretty quickly. Um, yeah. So I think a lot of the people I was following were in New York City, where you know you kind of get stuff. And I definitely I, I I definitely tried to like recreate the aesthetic of it when I was. Um, I'm trying to find some of my old from high schools or high school or college. I would try and like recreate that aesthetic. Uh, usually with parking garages was the the thing that I found like uh -huh. similar. Um, uh, okay, yeah. Um, I don't know if I can save this photo, but um, yeah, I found some on here, but. <laughs> They're horrible. They're like uh, the clarity is bumped up to like two hundred percent, and uh, oh, I was yeah, I was yeah, seventeen yeah. when I made those. So um, I don't want to see yeah. that. <laughs> no, you, I, I don't want. I don't want you to. Uh, yeah, I, I think I think it's cool. I think there was a period in time where that was. Um, but I, I I guess like with social media and Instagram, it was kind of the first time a lot of those places were being shown to yeah. everybody. You know, um, I and didn't so realize I, how big it is. I mean, yeah huge i am um, i do follow a youtuber uh who whose name i do not remember it's he's eastern european but um and he does it that's his entire life he pretty much he will just take he'll hop trains to go to from place to place across europe um and just spend his entire time exploring and it's so interesting because the places he's exploring are you know it's europe everything's a lot older yeah um, and yeah, I, I think it's, it's so fascinating to watch, but uh, no, not not a uh, not for me. I don't need that thrill. Um, 
No. Yeah. No, you don't want to wind up in a hospital. Yeah, a I, morgue. I play soccer on the weekends for my adrenaline. I do not. There you um, go. I don't I, I don't need to uh um go off the grid. <laughs> so I got got one more thing I wanted to ask you about. Well, not ask really. Yeah, I wanted to ask about your YouTube channel. Um didn't realize you did it until I started digging through your website. And <laughs> that's probably for uh, the best. Huh? That's probably for the best. Oh, for the best? I don't know. So what do you get out of it? What I mean, you know what? Making any video is a lot of work. Even if it's you sitting on a couch, it's still a lot of work to make a video. And yeah. it's which means it's a lot of time. So what do you get out of it personally? That's actually a great question. I love the way you worded that. Uh, what do I get out of it? Yeah. Um, I don't know what I get out of it, to be honest. Uh, I do not make videos for the purpose of, you know, increasing my brand or uh -huh. like, gaining attention or anything like that. That's not, that is not something that I really particularly want. Uh, I think I, I wanted to do YouTube pretty much as long as I can remember. Uh, hmm. I started like 2019 actually making videos but i just i i watch a lot of youtube uh that's mm -hmm. i find it to be kind of the most fulfilling place to get my like street photography fix um because uh, apart from actually shooting um i think i what i admire about the platform is um first off like you said it takes a lot of time and energy and if you want to do things not just i i put pretty minimal effort into my videos. I think if you look at some of like the bigger creators, I mean, they put so much time, energy, oh, yeah. work, thought uh, into the, the what they produce, which is usually a video about photography. So like on top of the photography they're already doing, they're doing all this extra, extra yeah. work. Um, and I've always, I've always admired, admired that. Um, I think what I kind of look, for nowadays is um giving a little bit of a bigger presence to um to my work and being able to expand a little bit more uh i i'm a i'm a talker i'm not i don't consider myself a writer um i'm not i don't think i'm bad at it i just it's not my strongest uh suit so i think mm. um i like the ability to talk about my photos to talk about the process uh i do make a lot of gear videos and i i enjoy talking about you know uh the cameras I, i'm trying or testing or um mm. you know i uh i i do when it comes to gear stuff i i specifically focus on uh gear that interests me and gear that i can't find other good videos about um which I'm searching for because it interests me. That's that's it's not because I'm like trying to sell. I will never make an X100V video. Um <laughs> uh, in my really, life. I will never like the only person in the world who I never yeah. made one either. Well, yeah. I I just that does not interest me. What is can there possibly be left unsaid about that camera? There nothing. nothing. Uh maybe about photos made with that camera, but I don't care about the camera in that sense. Yeah. Um but uh some of the cameras I've I've done uh the Lumix LX5 that was my big one um I think that video is like 60 60,000 views 
which which is ridiculous that's uh if you look uh, at the analytics on that video or sorry if i look at the analytics on that video um it shows like how long um how much of of you know the overall hours of viewership my channel has and how much um this video Mm -hmm. has and it's like this video has uh 99 of all time spent watching your channel is spent on this video um which i just i just think it's funny it just it happened to come out at the time when digi digicam like point and shoots started becoming like a trend um but i made that video because i just really really like the camera and you know it came out in 2010 in 2010 i guess it wasn't a bad camera but it wasn't groundbreaking like people uh and youtube was probably not as big at that point in time people just didn't care to make videos about it in 2023 you know if someone wants that camera you know they're going to look on youtube and they're not going to find much so i wanted to make that video to show this is a camera that i really like this is why i like it and yes you can take good pictures with it um it did a similar thing with the the nikon z30 everyone every it was similar to the x100v every single video that came out it was the exact same like template so this is a, a vlogging camera that is the next step up from your iPhone. Literally every single video I watched about that camera said that. Uh, and I was like, well, nobody is trying to apply this to a street photography like point of view. Um, so, you know, mm-hmm. my goal, my goal with the gear stuff is kind of just to talk about things that I'm passionate about, cameras that I'm passionate about, um, things that I think are are cool um, and yeah. different. And then uh, in the phot- photographic sense, just you know, sharing a little bit um, more background and context and uh, I guess expanding upon, um, you know, my photography, it travels, uh, street photography, that sort of thing. That's what I get out of it. You know what? I do have to ask you one other thing. You wrote a post a while back about leaving Instagram. Yep. Are you, are you back? Uh, no. Uh, well, so, I I use Instagram and I never stopped using Instagram. Oh, okay. For for the perspective of um I use it to follow photographers that I'm passionate about. Mm. Uh and as much as I wish that it was different, there is not a better place to to keep tabs on um you know photographers who I who I would like to follow. I would like to, you know, pay attention to their work that's coming out. A lot of them are my friends. Um I also, you know, I've there's a sense of community. I mean, that's what social media was really built for was mm-hmm. connectivity. And and so I uh, talked to a lot of people on Instagram that I don't know in, in real life, but um, I really like their work. They sometimes like my work, I hope. Um, and so just, you know, through messaging each other and uh, talking about each other's work, that sense of connectivity, that's what I think Instagram should be for. Um, I don't post on Instagram. I don't, uh i that's that's what i really left uh, i pulled all my photos off and i i don't post my work on instagram um i might use the story feature to to share a new blog post or a new video on on my story um but i left instagram because i have a very definitive uh moment that that made me realize that i i wanted to leave and that was um a photographer i always have looked up to uh craig whitehead he goes by six street under on youtube fantastic photographer and um i mean he he has a lot of he has a lot of followers uh i don't know off the top of my head but i would guess somewhere above two hundred thousand, possibly up to five hundred thousand followers 
and um he's he's been kind of in terms of instagram popularity at the upper echelon of instagram for for years yeah uh, almost a decade he posted a honest story he was like well i feel like i can't stay relevant on instagram I don't want to make Instagram reels, but I feel like I can't stay relevant without doing it. Like uh-huh. I feel like I have to do it for, you know, my brand for the sake of keeping my numbers up, all that stuff. And I remember just thinking to myself, this is a guy whose art I look up to so much and who I've always considered as like having made it, you know? Uh-huh. Um, and here he is having to make art content, whatever you want to call it that he doesn't want to make, that he doesn't enjoy making, but he's going to do it because some person whose name we don't know in some boardroom, we don't know where, has decided that uh, mm-hmm. unless you do what they say, then you essentially are going to lose your platform. Um, and I I just, that concept just bummed me out. <laughs> I, because, I, you know, I, I think at that point in time, I had been posting on Instagram every single day, uh, like clockwork, um, which is something Instagram is good about. It kind of motivates you to keep shooting because you always have to have something to post. Mm-hmm. Um, I had been posting every day like clockwork and I was like, well, why am I doing this? You know, I get on a good photo, 75 likes. I have a 1,100 followers at the time. On a good photo, I get 75 likes. But are those 75 likes, 75 people that have looked at my photo, like zoomed in, checked out all of the elements, like really taken in the art? Or is it 75 people who saw that I posted something, looked at it for maybe five seconds, double tapped and then kept going? Mm -hmm. Uh, And, you know, I'm putting in all of this work to post, put like, get the edit right, get the borders right, um, you know, move all these photos around on different hard drives and clouds to get them onto my phone. Um, and what is, what am I actually doing? Cause nobody cares about the art that I'm posting on there. Um, you know, Pretty maybe, <laughs> maybe a few people. And so I decided, uh, you know, why, uh, what, what's the point? It's like a lottery. It's, you know, they, if you keep buying tickets, eventually you could win. Uh, and you know, winning in this case, like being, blowing up on and becoming Instagram famous or whatever. Um, And I was like, I don't, I don't feel like doing that. So I, I decided I'm going to start sharing my photos on my website. I'll link to it on my, on my Instagram. So that, you know, my friends, family, whoever that follows me can still find it. Um, And I think I get, when I first started doing it, I was getting four consistently four clicks, click throughs to my blog um, for every story. So that, that gives you an idea of like 75 likes versus four people who will actually leave Instagram to look at my work. Um, but I would rather have those four people go and see my photos full size, get to read my background um, information or context, whatever um, process the whole like gallery and photos and actually think about the photos. Uh, I would rather have four people do that than I would 75 people double tap and swipe on. So I agree um, with you. As they yeah. say, if, if it's free, you're the product. Yeah, so exactly. I guess uh, Craig Whitehead doesn't get to continue being the product unless he does what they want, making reels or whatever comes next. 
So if you want to still be the product, you got to play the game. Yeah. And it can all go away too. Yeah. I think about it when I, I, I think about Vivian Meyer when I think about this and, mm-hmm. um, you know, we nowadays, you know, in 2023, I think most of the street photography community thinks of her as one of the best street photographers to have ever done it. Um, at the time that she was making all of her photos, not a person knew who she was, yeah. you know, not until years after she died. Did anybody even know that she was a photographer? Um, so I think my takeaway is, uh, you know, I, I think I, about myself, I think this, I think most street photographers, photographers would say that they would like to have their work be well known. They would like people sure. to know who they are and to learn about them in the future once they're gone. I think that, you know, it's not seeking fame. It's just wanting to share their message. And I think that's, that's a general goal of, of being an artist. Uh, I think that we have been kind of misled in the information age of thinking that the only way to do that is to be popular now has to be now people have to know who you are now. And, uh, and, and the way that happens is social media. And I think, you know, when I think about just Vivian Meyer and her, uh, you know, the way that she has become, uh, as, as, you know, a staple of classic street photographers. Um, I think, you know, I think what really matters is taking the photos, making the photos, making the art, building the body of work, make it big enough that they can find 60 great photos to make a great monolith of you when you die. I think that's, that's kind of my perception of, of actually succeeding in street photography. And it's not Instagram followers. Uh, That's a good way to, good way to end it. But before we go, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you? Not sure. Instagram, obviously. Not well, actually no, I, you, find me on Instagram. Um, yeah. because because uh it is a good way of, of staying up to date. So my, my Instagram is at Joe underscore photographer. Um and uh you can find me on Instagram. Check out my work on my website is www.joejasperphoto.com. Um, subscribe to my email list and I will email you when I post a new uh, set of photos or blog posts. Um, you can subscribe to my YouTube channel. Um, I think it's just Joe Jasper uh, is the name. Um, and uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. I do want to just take a second. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a new book coming out. Just Whoa. got the finished draft, uh, pandemic project. Um, so uh, that is going to be coming soon. Um, so and, keep an eye out for that. And where where will it be? Is it on Blurb or are you printing? It is. Printing? Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm printing it through Blurb. Um, I'm planning on doing a a release event, hopefully um, in November. Um, so if you are in the DC area, follow me on, on Instagram and for details about that when it comes up. Um, and, uh, I will, I'll be selling them there and then I'll probably just, um, kind of sell them through my website, but printing through blurb. Um, yeah. Well, be sure to send that information to us. Yeah, definitely. When it happens, Uh, maybe I'll come up. Yeah please oh and uh i'll see you i believe that's uh, right september the weeks. 16th yep yeah um i guess that'll probably already happen by the time this it will happen one day after this this show drops okay there you go if you're listening to this on september 15th come to the 
Fredericksburg. Yeah, you've street got photography a few shoot off. Yeah, to get over to Fredericksburg, Virginia. Yeah, uh, everybody yeah, book, will be there. Book your train ticket. Um, it is a great. <laughs> it is a great event. Uh, definitely, I think for street photographers, we kind of get used to it being a lonely, um, a yeah. lonely practice. And I think uh, events like that are fantastic for um, getting to connect with other street photographers um, and just you know having a fun day of shooting. So. Yeah, and a big big shout out to Ted Nelson for putting the group together and making these things happen. Yeah. Shout out to you, Ted. Thanks, Ted. See you soon. All right. Okay. Well, thanks, Joe. I really appreciate it. Uh, It's been great, great talking to you. And uh, we'll see you again in a few weeks. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. Your thoughts about the show go a long way in helping us decide on the guests and the subjects that we include in each episode. So, please take a few moments to write a review in Apple Podcasts or whatever service you use to stream your podcasts. It helps us know if we're on the right track, and it helps others to find and enjoy the show. The editor of Street Photography Magazine is Ashley Refo, and our audio engineer is Russell Boyd from WeBit Studios, found at webitstudios.co.uk. I'm Bob Patterson, and this is the Street Photography Magazine podcast, a service of Street Photography Magazine.